0: Hey, aloha, everybody. Welcome to Coffee with the Coach. This Tuesday, we are going to be talking ball with some really interesting guys, and we're going to kind of talk about something that has really been on my mind for a long time, and that's about the developmental aspect. Where does a player go in this day and time with no NFL Europe, no other developmental leagues available? Where does that fringe NFL guy go? Where does that guy that maybe bounced out of the NFL, how does he get back? Where does the kid that didn't have a senior season because of COVID-19, and we're going to talk to Brian Woods, who is the CEO of the Spring League, and, and kind of unpack what he's doing to fill a very, very big niche that the NFL needs filled, and that's player development, but before we go uh, to that, I got some bad news um, today. June Jones, uh, my very good friend and the ex-head coach with the uh, Chargers and the Falcons and, and I worked with at a Hawaii and SMU called me to tell me that legendary uh, Hawaii quarterback and Washington Redskin quarterback uh, Colt Brennan has passed away at 37 years old. Obviously, everybody sends their love and, and uh, prayers out to Colt and his, his family. He uh, was a wonderful, wonderful kid. I enjoyed being around him. He had an infectious smile. He was like the Pied Piper in Hawaii. He was a guy that maybe next to Duke Kahanamoku was the biggest athletic superstar and lo- most beloved athlete to ever come out of the University of Hawaii. Uh, threw fifty-eight touchdowns <laughs> in a tremendous year. Took us to an undefeated season and a Sugar Bowl bid, and that's you know that's an incredible accomplishment when you're not at a Power Five school. And a lot of that really fell on Colts' shoulder, shoulders. As I said, one of the most beloved athletes I've ever been around. Uh, mm-hmm. Always had time for people, always had time to smile and and uh, have have his picture taken with somebody or answer to, uh, you know, somebody with a question, a little kid with a comment, you know, or, would sign autographs. I, I remember one time they had an autograph session at uh, the, at at the university for an hour it was supposed to only be an hour and there were so many people after three hours they had to close it down and and just was an incredible incredible ambassador for the state of hawaii and and the university of hawaii really really a sad day uh he struggled with a with an addiction problem uh it eventually uh it eventually you know got him and uh for all of us who have known people who have that issue uh, you know again love them and care for them and and uh, you know, again, it's just a, re- a sad, sad reminder of how precious life is because it's sad that we lose a guy like that at that young age. So uh that's, like I say, a tough, tough one. Mike, come on out here and let's uh, let's get it on a more positive note going forward. <laughs> My man, Michael, Michael, how are you? Now we were talking today and obviously the schedule comes out tomorrow. The schedule releases tomorrow, but. You had a little bird come tell you something special about what's going on in London because you were pessimistic about this, let's be honest.
1: Yeah, I was. I have been for a long time, but you know, I didn't I wasn't sure if there would be London games this year because obviously of the situation. The Falcons then tweeted that they were going to play in London. Uh the Athletic tweeted at around five o'clock UK time. Uh that's there'll be two London games this year, both, but it seems this is from the athletic. It is not from the NFL UK. It's from the athletic news uh, newspaper or news articles online. Uh, Falcons and the Jaguars both playing in Tottenham, not Wembley, uh, as home teams. To be announced who they're going to play. Jeff, I have no idea who they're going to play. I don't, I don't know if you have any idea who they're going to play. My guess would be uh, two against Trevor, which would be lovely, and uh, Washington against Atlanta. Well, I don't know teams. if that's going to happen, but just chew on that
0: one for a second. Those two young quarterbacks in London. Well, would that be outstanding? Regardless what happens, obviously you're going to get great teams in London and you're going to get great viewing. Uh, I'm just really happy, like you, that according to everything that we hear from from our sources, that there will be two games in London. Uh, hopefully, we'll confirm that tomorrow when the schedule's released, and we'll all take a look at you know those those pairings because. You know, obviously the schedule means an awful lot to every team, uh, and and uh, we'll chop all that up next week when we get together. Let's talk a little Timmy Tebow, Tebow mania. Are we talking about is there – could there be a comeback with a guy that has not played football in nine years, been through a minor league baseball career, signed with <laughs> the Jaguars with his old college coach, Urban Meyer, as a tight end. What's your take on that one, Michael?
1: Amazing it's almost like me being back in school again in religion class and learning about the resurrection after three days at easter i mean it's incredible (laughs) After nine years though man and not we're not talking about three days we're talking about nine years i'm i'm stunned i was one of the guys that bought the tebow jersey about three weeks before he left the broncos so i mean i'm maybe i'll get a chance to wear it now i i'm stunned that like i think it's PR-wise, it's, it's a good laugh, but, like, I mean, will he actually do it, Jeff? Will he make it? Will he play a down in the NFL? Maybe in the preseason or something for a laugh, but uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'll tell you what.
0: Uh, this is, like, we've always said since day one, this is your show. This is the viewer show. This is the fan's show. So hit us with what your reaction to the Tim Tebow news is. And, again, as you, as you send your uh, takes, questions, rants, whatever it is, make sure you put where you're from uh, along with that. As as I said earlier, the schedule release comes out tomorrow. Interesting comment for you, Denver Bronco fans, from the lips of Teddy Bridgewater. And Teddy says, Competition makes people better. And we are have, going to have a quarterback competition in Denver. Again, Aaron Rodgers is looming out there somewhere. There's all kinds of speculation. He's leaving, he's not leaving, all that. Denver is a possible landing spot. But regardless. Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater will compete with unless, unless you know magic happens and and uh, Aaron Rodgers comes to to the Mile High City, it'll be those two battling that out in training camp. I think it's going to be fun to watch. Um,
1: let's go now. Uh, is Brian is Brian with us? Brian seems to be having a couple of network issues, right? So he is on and off. Uh, I what we'll do is I'll put some comments up very quickly and I'll just get yeah, Let's, let's take on.
0: some calls while we're trying to get his his uh, line hooked up. All right, Owen says, "Woo! I got I love a woo. You know me, I love my Ric Flair woos. Time for the coast to style and profile, baby. Before you say mumbles, and we're talking about mumbles, Wales, mumbles, Wales. One of my favorite vacation spots in all the world." Fred Flunk's throwing his woo in here. Now that's a big (laughs) woo right there. And he says, let's go get this tribe. Hey, Fred came up with a great idea. And I thought this was really, really cool. If we put together a t-shirt for the tribe, right? A a tribe t-shirt that we could sell and then give the money to a charity, non-profit situation, give all the money to a charity. Would you be willing to jump in with us and wear your tribe t-shirt proudly and help raise money for a charity? let us know and we will proceed further with the idea. My man Fred, I appreciate that. Charles McBride who is a Hawaii football fan from uh the Hamilton Ontario, Canada says rest in peace, peace Cole Brennan and I think it's uh it's really really well said Charles, I appreciate that getting that back one getting that to us.
1: Um uh, go ahead Mike. We- We've got uh, David from Glasgow saying Tebow has not stepped on the field for eight years. How do we expect him to perform? I mean, yeah. Like, if I didn't go to the gym for eight years, you know, like, I mean, like, or you know what I mean? Like, it's it's a very difficult thing to do to get his... I mean, like, if he does it, he really will, really will redeem himself. But I just think it's... It's very hard to happen, isn't it? Like, I mean, I, I'm just shocked, Jeff, because the Jaguars seem to be in a situation where, well, where Trevor Lawrence... Well, here's the thing. They got
0: five... He, he becomes five... There are five tight ends on the roster. Obviously, you can't carry five tight ends. Could he conceivably do this? There were people who said when he was coming out of Florida that tight end was one of the positions that move tight end HVAC kind of guy because he's got some size. He's got some strength. He's got some athletic ability, right? He's a tremendous, tremendous locker room guy he's urban meyers guy now they, they go back an awful long time right and it's you know it's not a surprise to me that this actually happened and remember when trevor lawrence was 12 years old when tebow was playing he was a huge tim tebow fan what better guy than tebow himself to help mentor this kid through the through his rookie season so does it make some sense to me yes Do I think he can make the transition to be a tight end? I think that's really a a reach. But again, I'm not surprised that this has happened, frankly.
1: And again, as well, Trevor Lawrence is a guy that really does have his faith. He seems very grounded for his young age. seems a lot more mature than I was at that age. So maybe both on and off the field, he will help him, as you said. Jay Jay he says, Coach, uh, there have been suggestions that Watson will be be available in 2021. Uh, Do you think this is likely?
0: Well, I think, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that whole thing transpires, you know, whether he's going to be available is one issue, whether he's going to be able to play is the second issue, because we don't know where this thing is going to go with the commissioner's office and, and uh, all of that. So I think, you know, I saw a thing in pro football talk today that the, that the Texans are talking about all these options that they have at quarterback. Well, to me, none of the options are particularly good that they have at quarterback. Deshaun Watson is who they need to be their quarterback. If they can heal that relationship, if he's able to play, that's the best thing for uh, their new coach, their new staff, their new direction with the Texans. But again, that,
1: there's a lot of water has got to pass under the bridge before that happens. All right. Got anything else for me, Mike? I'm, so, I'm still waiting on Brian. So Brian, if you are watching, please try to come in at some point and we'll get you on. Might get a surprise guest for you, Jeff, while we're waiting on Bucky Brooks. But we'll see what happens. Got loads of comments coming in here. Uh, we've got Terry Mack, who I think is in the UK. Uh, forgive me if you're not, Terry, but uh, feels to start at the Bears. Do you think feels to start at the Bears first week? I don't think he's going to start
0: first week. I think that's a tall order. I think, you know, again, remember, it depends a lot on how this preseason goes. These guys are now going to have the opportunity to go through the OTAs, to go through the preseason, to go through the coaching sessions, all the things that the last rookie class lost. I mean, so Herbert never had those opportunities. And, you know, I think it was probably good that he had a chance to sit for a few weeks before he had to step in and play. I think it's always better to play a player a little late than a little early. Because especially at the quarterback position, there's such an enormous amount of work that they have to do uh, to, to really understand the NFL game. It's a, a lot's gonna depend on Justin Fields. Uh, you know, again, how much he's, he can process, how much how comfortable he can get within that offense. You know, and again, that, those are tall tasks. This is vi- being a quarterback in a national football league is a very, very difficult position.
1: It's not easy. It's not easy. Not it's not easy for for Brian to come on. Sorry, Brian. Hopefully, we will get you on. But it's obviously, Jeff. Brian is the CEO of the Spring League. You yeah. you're currently in the Spring League at the minute. Yeah. How I, do you find it? Well, I tell you what. This is
0: the this is the thing I was really hoping hopeful and I am hopeful that we get Brian on the show. That um, for him to unpack his journey with football. Here's a guy that worked in the New York Jets front office, uh, and he worked for the league office uh, for a short time and came up with the the idea because he saw a need for a developmental opportunity because there's so many players. Again, we talk about 2% of football players ever sign a pro contract. Well, that's a huge number of players that are close to that, that maybe didn't get a Pro day workout, maybe they were hurt. Maybe they're guys that were in the league and then bounced out of the league and want to come back in the league. As a matter of fact, I'm going to talk to you about a guy, Brandon Marshall, one of your guys with the Broncos, who has a Super Bowl ring, who has approached us about coming into the league, about an opportunity to come in and play because he wants to play again. The uh, the Broncos cut him. He went to the Raiders. You know, he got cut there at the Raiders, but he still believes he can play. There's no other place where he can go that he can prove that he still has, uh, you know, the legs to play and other than the spring league. And I think you look at our quarterback here with the, with the generals Ryan Mallett was a third round draft choice of the New England Patriots, right? Johnny Manziel played in this league. There've been numbers and numbers and numbers of guys who were drafted in the national football league that are looking for an opportunity to get back and play. Uh, I think this is the best eleven-man opportunity, certainly that's that's out there right now in the Spring League. And when you, are, if you have the ability to, to watch Fox Sports, these games are on Fox, and you can see the you know the talent level and the quality of the of the game. Michael Grimes throwing an Aloha my way. I appreciate you, Michael. Aloha back to you. Make sure again when you send something in that you hit us with where you're calling from, writing from texting from,
1: or tweeting from. Jeff, will we bring in a viewer for five or 10 minutes? Do you think, do you think we sure. should do you it? Bring in anybody us? you want to bring in, buddy. Right, if, if, if you want to come in, and if you want to talk some ball with, with Jeff, I will go away for a few minutes. Jeff can come in and talk. Oh, I th- hold on, actually. I think Brian's here. Brian, Brian, just give us a thumbs up if you're okay to go. Yeah, I think he's ready to go. Right, okay. Hey, uh, there we go. Obviously, if Brian cuts off, Jeff, I'll come back in. But here we are. Here is. Okay,
0: ladies and gentlemen, this is Brian Woods, and Brian is the CEO of the Spring League. All right, and again, you can get to, you can follow them on Twitter at the Spring League, Instagram, and again, go in, if you want to YouTube and watch the games. If you don't have access to Fox Television where the games are on, you can access the games on YouTube. Brian, welcome to the show. Great to have you.
2: Yeah, great being
0: on the show, Jeff. All right, now let's let's. I kind of went through your history. And again, what was it that 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 compelled you as a young guy to say, I want to start my own league? I want to start an opportunity for guys, create an opportunity for guys to play this game. Yeah, I think
2: for me, it was just being around the game itself. You know, I was a walk on back in the day at Ole Miss. I I was a graduate assistant at Iowa State, spent some time in the New York Jets front office and, you know, eventually, uh went to law school, and so I felt like I had the pedigree, had the, had the uh, you know, level of education I needed for people to take me serious, because I had a pretty extensive background, you know, on the business side of sport, um, and I just, probably the worst thing I ever did is I picked up a, uh, a book that was written, uh, the biography of Gary Davidson, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but Gary Davidson was, uh, uh, I shouldn't say the worst thing I ever did, but but he had a very interesting story, a similar background to mine, but he had been involved in the world hockey league, the American basketball association, all leagues that, by the way, had some degree of success changed rules in the NBA. Uh, and these teams merged uh, some of the teams, you know, like the Spurs and the Indiana Pacers are not part of the original NBA. They were very much uh, part of the American basketball association. And I think there's even teams in the NHL today that were part of the world hockey league. Um, all the leagues he started the world football league probably is what he's most famously known for uh, and they were very limited in terms of the time they played and the level of success they they experienced but i think it was reading that and just that kind of inspired me to try to create a, a sustainable professional football league that could really fill a critical void in the world as you know trying to develop players there's no middle ground between the college game and the nfl and there is a lot, there is an abundance, I should say, of qualified professional football talent here in the United States. And so um, I set out to do that and, um, you know, put an initial business model together in 2014. I was involved with the FXFL, which was a fall version, if you will, of a professional football development league. Um, and it was kind of unique, um, but after two years, we we shut that down, felt like it wasn't the model that we wanted, I kind of regrouped with some of my core investors, and I laid out the um, the framework for for what is now the Spring League, and they were very, very enthused about that, and they definitely saw financial components to it that made a lot more sense to them. And here we are. You know, we started in 17 um, with four teams, a very limited budget, but the idea was we were going to continue to grow it and try to get more traction each and every year. And and really, what we set out to to do was to get as many guys in our league signed to professional football contracts, meaning for us, the the real priority was the National Football League. And so since we launched in 2017, we've had 104 players signed to the NFL. So I feel like we're we're definitely walking the walk. Um, And a big milestone for us last year was signing the multi-year agreement with Fox, and Fox has now taken an interest um, in my company, and um, uh, they are committed to getting behind my property. They, they, they like what we're doing. They have a lot of faith in, in, in the spring league and our big concept. Looking forward to, uh, to the future with Fox. All
0: right. Now, when I, this is my second experience working in this league and I've been through the CFL, NFL, Europe, you know, all of that. And to me, Brian, without question right now, this is the best 11-man league going. And I think when you look at the talent level in this league, it's very, very comparable to what we had in NFL Europe. I mean, we've had Zach Mettenberger in this league. You've had Ryan Mount, as we spoke about third-round draft choice of the Patriots. Johnny Manziel has been in this league, a first-round draft choice. Numerous, numerous players. You know, uh, I just really think that, this is as close as it gets to a developmental league. Now, are you trying to market this not only to players, but also to the NFL as a, as a developmental arm for them? Yeah, no question. I mean, I
2: think ultimately an official relationship with the national football league would be the end game here. I mean, I said one of two things. I told a lot of people when we first got started that success to me would be measured in one of two ways, either, either a, uh, which I thought might be the longer play and could be um, um, uh, met with a little resistance um, would be an official partnership with the National Football League. And as you know, uh, in the league office, they they tend to move a little slower on things. And really, getting the clubs to buy into is what is is what my mandate has been in the last two years. We're really trying to get the clubs interested in what we're doing, and I think we've accomplished that to 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 some extent. We've even got NFL clubs at this point reaching out to us and giving us players, telling us we would like to see this player or that player in the spring league. We're, we're testing out potential rule changes in the NFL game, meaning we have reached out to the Baltimore Ravens and said, we really liked your idea, even though the competition committee didn't pass it. The Baltimore Ravens came up with a very unique concept for overtime and now um, the Ravens are very excited that we're going to be utilizing their overtime format if, in fact, we get to an overtime game. I hope we do this year to, to, to let the audience and the fans out there see it because I think it's very intriguing. Um, we also have a, a kind of behind-the-scenes relationship right now with the NFL in terms of their offici- officiating development program. So we have officials refereeing our games this year that are guys at the NFL hoping to you know, bring them out of the major Division I conferences here in the United States and, and put them to work in the NFL at some point. So um, there are definitely a lot of things that are happening behind the scenes that we're not necessarily putting out there in the public domain. Um, we don't have an official relationship with the National Football League at this point, but I would tell you that the, 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 uh, the relationship I have with the league office and the member clubs is very strong and that goes without saying it's the same with the National Football League Players Association so we positioned ourselves and market ourselves as such we had almost 400,000 people watching our game this past Saturday and I would tell you that that was still a very good number for a league that has no city affiliations for a league that really is, is out there walking the walk with little to no promotion and no fanfare so we're we're very much encouraged with what we have done with a very limited budget uh not to mention that at the end of the day people watch our games and they don't see a drop off uh, not much of a drop off from real professional football so the product is good that that is is what time and time again people fans football enthusiasts alike are all complimenting us uh on the product that we're that we're putting on display but ultimately we're trying to develop players and um you know, there's a bigger play in store. That, that I will tell you, there's a lot of things happening right now behind the scenes with myself and Fox and how we're growing this and, and additional projects that we're going to undertake here in the coming weeks. So um, we think there's a much bigger play for us in the football world. But right now we're starting off kind of um, small, uh, but we're continuing to grow. And, and I believe we're on the right path right now as a company
0: and as a league. See, that I think this is real important that, that the fans and the listeners get understand this. It, it transcends player development because one of the things that NFL Europe was, was a place where every official that made the jump between college official to NFL official had to go through NFL Europe because the speed of the game at the professional level is so much faster. It's not only for the players, a chance to, to get used to that. It's for the officials to, to, get a chance to get used to that to referee the game using NFL rules with athletes who are much bigger and much faster than the typical college athlete mm-hmm. the spin-offs were also you trainers equipment guys filmers all of those places this these kinds of leagues create opportunity and that's what's so important and to say Brian that you had over you know, 400,000 viewers in your first weekend on Fox, I think is a tremendous, tremendous number for a new league. I think so too.
2: I would tell you that sports in general, viewership for sports over the last several months, if you want to call it in the era of COVID or post COVID, I don't know exactly where we fall right now because it seems like we've been in this COVID uh, dilemma, if you will, for quite some time now, but the numbers for viewership in sports has been down substantially. So we, we went head-to-head with NHL. We went head-to-head with um, a, a big soccer game that was on primetime that bit, you know, beat us by maybe 10, 15,000 viewers. So um, our numbers were respectable. And keep in mind that um, where we're at present day, temperatures are getting warmer. It's a weekend. People are trying to get out. They've been cooped up in their house for the last several months. So the idea that, that we could play on a Saturday afternoon um, in the late spring and still get that sort of viewership, I think, was uh, very encouraging. And I think Fox was 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 pleased with the numbers as well. And again, Jeff, as, as I mentioned before, um, this is without city affiliation. So really the key to viewership is getting the cities involved and making sure that teams or cities or markets, rather, have teams to to get behind. If um, We had a team from Chicago, for instance, or a team from Dallas, and those teams were on the road that week. Uh, one could it it could stand to reason that the viewership from those markets would be substantially higher than probably what they were on Saturday because these individuals would have a team to follow and really get behind so that's what we're kind of missing right now and these are kind of the ingredients if you will to add over the coming weeks or coming months to make this a a a a lot more attractable property in terms of of a made-for-tv product but the end game is exactly what you're talking about. NFL Europe was very valuable in a lot of ways. Referee development, um, really finding some unique, um, uh, some some solid quarterbacks that came out of NFL Europe. The idea that um, you could develop offensive linemen these days just off of practice squads in the NFL when you're taking away the number of padded practices that are allowed is just absurd to me. So, The spring league is filling a very critical void, and I think the testament to that could is you look at the last several weeks, the number of players that have already been uh, uh, brought or signed out of the spring league and are bringing or they're being brought into NFL minicamps and things like that. So the talent is definitely there, and the interest from the NFL is certainly there. And I think we're we're doing right by the players by allowing them to stay relevant and continue to train uh, and filling a very very critical void.
0: And football is such a unique game. Football is a game that you can only get better by playing football. If you're a basketball player, you can go out and shoot baskets against nobody. When you're a football player, you got to play football. And, and, and this is again why I think so highly of this league. I want to I share this with the listeners. And I don't, I have not had a chance to tell Brian this, but I have a very close friend who's a defensive coordinator in the National Football League. He watched the games last week and sent me a text the day after the game and said. Wow, what a great game. Your kids play hard. How in the world did you get that done in eight days? Because we don't have an extended training camp. But you've been able to put together coaching staffs, Brian, studded with ex-NFL coaches, guys that have been there, done that. So for a young kid, especially as a small college kid or whatever, this is an opportunity for you to come and get great coaching in a developmental league where you can be on TV and showcase yourselves to to the National Football League. Because the hardest thing for a player to get is live reps. And this is that's the goal. So yep. Well, absolutely. I'll tell
2: you, and, and you know too, Jeff, the NFL, it's it's all about the quarterback play. And it really is at every level of football is all about quarterback play. So if your quarterbacks aren't any really good on Sunday, you might as well pack it in. It's gonna be a long season for you. So I think that's what the NFL has been missing since the days of NFL Europe. And even, you know, pre two thousand nine, two thousand ten before the Arena Football League went into bankruptcy, there were some decent quarterbacks in that league. Now, that's when they were paying guys uh, a very livable wage. And at that juncture, there were several NFL owners that had ownership interest in these Arena Football League teams. That was across the board. And then, of course, that entity, as we knew it, went into bankruptcy, came out a much different structure, much much different pay scale, and NFL uh, owners were no longer involved in that, in that league. So um, without Arena Football But more importantly, without NFL Europe and getting to see players in an actual football context and getting quarterbacks uh, 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 playing against a live pass rush, without these sort of ingredients, I feel like you're just not developing quarterbacks. And I feel like that's why the NFL certainly has a problem on their hands. That's why you're seeing quarterbacks, the ones that are good, are sticking around and playing into their 40s. And that, to me, is just foreign. I really believe the Tom Brady's of the world they're those are anomalies, um, and I think that that's what we're missing out on. We're not properly developing quarterbacks right now because practice squad, I don't care. You can have 40 guys to a practice squad. If you don't give them a live pass rush, I feel like the the, the repetitions are just not as valuable as what they can see in the spring league. And I think, the other, going back to your uh, point earlier, um, it is quite remarkable that you could put teams together in a period of eight to nine days, and they could get out there and play toe to toe and the game come down to the final 40 seconds like it did on Saturday and otherwise people watching the game thought that we were in training camp for 2 or 3 weeks to prepare this product because I think the play ultimately looked really clean on Saturday.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Now, Brian, I'll, there's two things I want to I want to hit on before you go. Number one is if I'm a young kid out there, right, who is still harbors that dream of being Becoming an, an NFL player, a professional football player. How does he go about, you know, getting in the spring league? What's, what's the, what's the, you know, cause we've got listeners all over the world and, and, and I'm that's the next thing I want to talk about is the international aspect of it Absolutely. But right now for a player or an agent that wants to see his kid playing in this league. How do they go about finding their way to the league?
2: Yeah, it's a really simple process. All they need to do is drop us a note. If they know a coach in the league or you know, someone involved with the league that can certainly reach out in, in, that, in that realm. But outside of that, they can, they can send an email to info, which is just I-N-F-O, info at the springleague.com, just kind of give us their pedigree and you know, tell, tell us a little bit about their background, send us film clips, um, you know, kind of a, you know, kind of the basic information that we'd want to see, the age, the height, the weight, the position, and the level of experience. It's really what we're looking for. And as you know, this is a long season. This is different. Um, in terms of this is the longest season that the Spring League has ever conducted. And so it stands to reason that the initial rosters we began with just a couple of days ago are not the rosters that we're going to finish with 100% across the board in each team over a six-week season, the natural attrition of a season in terms of injuries. um, We're certainly going to have to bring in more players as the season goes on. And um, so I think it's important to keep people interested. More importantly, we have had an interest uh, from day one in developing international talent. We've had players come in from Germany, um, Spain. Uh, We've had a lot of players, numerous players come in from Japan. Some of the top players from their X-League come in and we've had interest from the teams in Mexico and the league down there. So we're we're all about trying to find um, quality football talent, not just here in the United States, but abroad and I think that the, the, international, the international community really has, we, we have been put on the radar, especially in Japan. And the Spring League is very big in Japan. And so um, uh, we certainly want to continue to try to find those, identify those sort of prospects, bring them over, let them experience competition here in the United States, because you can play in Europe. You can play in Japan. You can be pretty good at what you're doing over there, but you're still not seeing the very best talent. It's like Major League Soccer. Major League Soccer is reputable here in the United States, but if those guys go over and play in Europe, they're going, to get, they're going to get beat, and they're going to get beat, and they're going to get embarrassed. So the best football is played here in the United States. So in order to see that sort of competition, really gauge what their skill set looks like, they need to come here to the States. They need to be uh, training alongside our players, and more importantly, they need to be working with coaches like you that have the level of experience that you do so we can really see if we can develop something
0: out of them. Well, Brian, I really appreciate you coming on the show and I appreciate you, you know, spreading your message because certainly around the world, there are far more players that can play in the National Football League than do play in the National Football League. And they need an opportunity. And that is what the Spring League is all about. Opportunity. Brian Woods, thank you so much for joining our show today. Thanks. Jeff. Appreciate it. All right, man. Take care. Again, I think that's really a great thing. For, for everybody to understand the, the, in the off season, in the long year, uh, the, the spring league does what they call showcases where you can come to a showcase, get tested. Uh, you're going to get an opportunity to play, be coached. And at the end of the week, actually play in a scrimmage. And so that, that's a great opportunity for a kid that maybe doesn't have a lot of film or, you know, there's so many great stories about these guys and, and how they've, you know, fought and scratched and clawed their way into a professional football camp or signing a contract or making a football team. Bucky Brooks, one of my all-time favorite guys is coming up and it is going to be nothing but fun unpacking Buck's career, talking ball with one of the really, I think, premier analysts at NFL Network and an absolute scouting guru. So, Buck, if we can, if he's here, let's bring on Bucky. There he is, ladies and gentlemen. You're looking very studious today with those glasses on today. Buck, are you there? I got you. I there we go.
3: Michael.
0: There we go, Bucky. Everything. We'll I'm good, man. If you caught up, you caught up on your sleep, because I know, I know the the lead up to the draft is grind time for Bucky Brooks. But I, I, before we get into the draft, Buck, I wanna I wanna let people know kind of your story, because it's really I think I think it's a, it's a great story and how you got to be doing what you're doing right now. Grow up in North Carolina, the son of a football coach, right? Outstanding high school football player, and for some unknown reason, you land at the University of North Carolina. Now, what took you to Carolina? Because I know you're proud. I look and you got your jerseys in the back of you. Um,
3: you know, Jeff, like, so for me, Carolina was always the place I wanted to go. Uh, It was the only place I wanted to go. Like when I was a kid, I used to go over to Chapel Hill and go to Pitcher day, and so there was me with. Taylor and famous Lawrence and Calvin Bryant and Earl Winfield, who starred for a long time in the CFL. Those were my guys. And so for me, it was always the place where I wanted to go. And then with coach Brown coming over, uh, it was just a natural fit. And then being on the campus and not only being on the football team, but running track and being able to be around all of those athletic teams and the great coach there and the high standards that they had in terms of championships. For me, it was everything. And then to take that, And to leverage it to go to the National Football League and spend uh, parts of six seasons in the league for a bunch of great teams and great coaches. It was everything. And so uh, it was a great journey. And it's one that allowed me to kind of learn a bunch of different things about building teams, evaluating top players to kind of parlay that into front office positions
0: and eventually a media career. Now, I know you're real close with your father. Right. And you and I kind of grew up parallel that way as coaches, kids now. As an athlete, did you feel pressure playing for your dad? You know, so it's
3: funny. Like my dad didn't start coaching until after I was done. So I played oh, I for. Yeah, he played. He started coaching right after I got done. So he coached along once my my younger brother Kevin was playing. So I had an opportunity to play for a great high school head coach Earl Smith, who won over 250 games, uh, won a state title after I was gone, but a great coach. And so the only pressure that I felt was just trying to live up to the standard. We just had high standards in the house for performance and production and things that you did. And so if we felt like you committed to being in an activity, you wanted to be the best at it. And so that was the only pressure that felt, Hey, be the best at whatever it is that you're doing.
0: All right. Now you go to Carolina and you, I mean, you show out at Carolina and I want you to take us through, cause I've never heard you say this. I've never heard this story. I want you to take us through your draft experience, your, your combine, your, the lead up to the draft and what, what draft day was like in your, in the Brooks house. Yeah, no,
3: draft day was a, a, a crazy experience. I feel like every player has this unless they get the phone call very early. So I was the 48th overall pick for the Buffalo Bills. At the time, I want to say the draft was broken up between first and third. First, The first through third round went on the first day, and then the fourth through seventh round went on the second day. And so the 48th pick, man, the draft may have started about 3, 3.30. I think the phone call came around 10 o'clock at night. So you can imagine that is a long time to wait for the call and having a draft party at the house, all the food was cold. Uh, We've already eaten two and three times. The people have pretty much left because you don't know if you're gonna get picked. So (laughs) it was a very uh, up and down journey, but it was one that was very memorable because I think all of us had played in the front yard, dreaming of hearing your name called, dreaming of being like, hey, second round pick Brooks." this and that. And so to finally have it come to fruition, um, I think it was kind of like the the end of one dream, but the start of another, because everyone wants to hear their name called, but then it starts with the big dream, which is to
0: play in the league. Were you watching TV? Were you watching it on TV?
3: Yeah, I think at the time it was on ESPN. Uh, That was the only channel that covered it. So I remember watching it and just like the one thing that you want to do, you want to get the phone call then you want to run to the TV. You want to hear them say your name and you want to see them play the, the highlights after it. I think that's the excitement for everybody. So it was exciting to be able to hear your name called, but then to see
0: the videos and all of those things play out after that. So now you go to Buffalo, right? Now, Buffalo's not Charlotte. Buffalo's not, I mean, Buffalo's Buffalo, right? What'd you think? What'd you think about being drafted by the Bills? You know,
3: it was great though at the time, because of the, the, the the Buffalo Bills had gone to four straight Super Bowls. So for me, it was Hey, man, I'm joining a, a premier organization, uh, a team that knows how to win. I get the op- opportunity to play with future Hall of Famers, Jim Kelly and Thurman Thomas, Andre Reed, Bruce Smith. Man, they they have the secret sauce because, you know, Jeff, in, in, in coaching for a long time, to get to the championship game four years in a row. And even if you've lost it four years in a row, the journey to get there and to be a dominant team is one that is crazy to play for a Hall of Fame head coach, and Mark Levy. I was really excited because everyone wants to know what's the secret sauce. How do you win and win at that level? And so to have an opportunity to play for that team and see how they did it, uh, it was a great
0: opportunity, great experience. Yeah, you talk about, you know, talk about as a young receiver, you going to, the, you know, the red gun offense with Jim Kelly throwing the ball to you and Andre Reid and, you know, I mean, you talk about that's got to be like a dream come true and you're going to be a returner, right? And yeah. So
1: you,
0: you, know, that's a, that. You say, man, I got just, this. is good here, right? And then all of a sudden, it takes a turn for the another direction, right? Talk us through that. You know, you talk about the Buffalo Bill experience
3: um, as a returner returning kicks. I mean, you understand that, man. You're you're a crash test dummy sometimes <laughs> when you when you when you're back there returning kicks. And so, uh, the middle of my rookie year, I'm returning a kick against the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, no one's around. I make a hard cut, and my knee gives out. And at that moment, uh, I partially tore my my ACL. I rehab hard to get myself back um, to to come back my second year, but I just wasn't right. And not a, not only from a, a, a physical standpoint, but mentally, it's the first time I'd ever been hurt. There's the pressure of trying to return to your own performance, and maybe you put too much pressure on yourself. You don't necessarily know how to prepare. So ultimately, at the end of training camp, I was released. I was cut. So I go home. I'm, I'm sitting on the couch. I have a few workouts for some teams. I work out for the. I think I work out for the. The Jags, the Panthers, I work out for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and then the Green Bay Packers call, and I work out for them. And I work out for them early in the year. And during that workout, as you know, man, I'm struggling because I hadn't caught a ball. I go back, I'm a high school coach, and I hadn't caught a ball. You can't get anyone to throw the ball that's comparable to what an NFL quarterback looks like. So you go. I remember working out in the indoor facility. T.J. Rubley, the quarterback, is throwing. He's one of the hardest throwers that you can imagine. And he played quarterback he, for me, so I know TJ. Okay, so he look, he's all fastball, no change-up. And so <laughs> I, I, think, I think he believes the workout is for him and not for me. So he's throwing darts in a dark indoor facility. I can't see it. I am bouncing the ball all off my chest. I dropped one early, so now my confidence is shook. So now I'm body catching everything. So in the middle of the workout, Hall of Fame executive Ron Wolf says, hey, let's do this. Let's see if you can backpedal. Let's see if you can turn or transition and do some things. I hadn't, I hadn't played DB. I mean, since my youth football days. So I backpedal, I speed turn, I ran really fast in the forty. I ran sub four four in the forty. So that gave me a chance. And so, at the end of the workout, they're like, "Man, we really like the athleticism and the speed, but we think we might want to bring you back as a as a DB." Now,
0: what you say? What you think about that? But I say, well,
3: huh? What?" Yeah, yeah. So. So it took a while, so I go home for a while and John Snyder, who's now the, the general manager for the Seattle Seahawks would call me every Tuesday morning. Hey man, how you doing? What you saying? Hey man. And so Jeff is one of those things where, man, you go six, seven weeks, the phone ain't ring. You become more receptive to the idea of, hey man, do whatever you gotta do to get into the league. And so week 13, they called and brought me up and they um, said, so we're gonna bring you up as a hey, you will practice is wide receiver, but at the end of the season, we'll flip you over. And so it was a great opportunity to play offense. I mean, I wasn't in the practice squad, but basically I was a scout team wide receiver with uh, Brett Favre throwing guys, doing doing all that other stuff. And then at the end of the year, they say, okay, we're gonna transition. And Bob Valicente was a DB coach and I wore him out trying to figure out how to backpedal, how to do drills or whatever. But I would say it's the best thing that ever happened to me because It gave me an opportunity to look at football from a different viewpoint. And because I was able to look at it from a different viewpoint, I think it made me a more rounded player, uh, eventual evaluator and eventually
0: a coach because I got a chance to get my hands on all of it. Okay, now that that takes us to a topic and I'm glad you brought it up because, you know, I've always felt that you should coach before you play. We got this thing all screwed up, right? You should coach before you play because when you coach, you learn the game. And when you're a player, you don't really it's, – it's oftentimes guys don't really understand the totality of the game, why things happen around them the way they happen around them. You got the unique perspective of switching over to defense after you've been on offense and understanding what that receiver that you're trying to cover is trying to do to you, why they're building formations the way they build formations. Did you think that was a help in making that transition? Uh, I think it certainly was a help. The game was still moving too fast for me to really fully
3: apply it. Um, I think the light bulb went on for me after I was done, after I got cut, because what happens is, like, and you know this, there are some guys who play with supreme confidence who don't worry about the mistakes. I wasn't wired like that, like as a natural maybe perfectionist. I needed everything to be right before I would go. So I would never pull the trigger in terms of, hey man, look at the split down and distance situation. They've lined up and run this play in this situation a million times on tape, mm-hmm. go make the play. And I was always hesitant and scared to go make the play. Now, as an older player or well, retired player and as a coach, it was like slow motion, I could see it. And so you can tell your players like, Dude, they go three by one. He lines up on this nasty split. He's either going across the field or he's breaking out. So go play the play and talk to your safety and go do it. So there is value. And I do believe um, the great coaches empower their players to some days run practice on their own so they can go through it. So then they get a better understanding of the why. So now when you're coaching them, you're not – Charlie Brown's teacher in the classroom, like wah, 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 wah. Wah. they they understand it better. So there's value to coaching and instructing as opposed to just playing.
0: All right, now, fans, and get get your questions in here. I, I know we got a bunch of them um, in, Bucky and I, but I want to go through I want you to tell the story, bro, that you told me about Ironhead Hayward and when they <laughs> sent you on a nickel blitz, what that experience was like.
3: So uh, I'm in Jacksonville. This is the 96th season. We're playing the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a win or go home game. If we win, we go to the playoffs. And Ironhead Haywood, who, I mean, they called him Ironhead because he was look, 250 pounds plus. That's generous. He's probably 270 at the time. He at least. And so they end the running shoot. June Jones is doing his deal. And they send me off a nickel blitz. And I got a free run, like just a free run to the corner quarterback but Jeff George doesn't throw it he hands it off to Ironhead so now I gotta make this veer and it is a bang bang play if you can imagine and I hit Ironhead uh, Jeff I'm gonna be honest, I closed my eyes I don't know where I hit him like, <laughs> I, I just know I get up and when I wake up when I when I get up like there's blood like all over my face mask and everything and he split he split the middle of my lip. Now I don't know because I got my cage on but I don't know what happened. But somehow he split my lip right down the middle. And I ended up hitting like five or six stitches. And I got a nice little cut right down the pipe um, so, because I hit Ironhead Hayward in the mouth. He got a little trophy from Ironhead, huh? <laughs> a little trophy. little trophy from
0: Ironhead. But that's, look, that's, that's my claim to fame. So obviously, you, Bill Poley and Ron Wolf, you were around great personnel guys in your career, right? And now you want to transition to the scouting side. And I know you only got a few minutes with us, because, but this is such great stuff transitioning out of playing and into personnel difficult or Who who, uh, who helped you through that, grow through that?
3: Uh, I think very early on in the process when I was in green Bay and I was a backup player, I was always fascinated at how they built a championship team. Having seen the success in Buffalo, how they went to four straight uh, Super Bowls. I get there. You see the, the dominant players, you see how talented they are. You're like, man, okay. That's what it looks like. But then I go into a locker room and I tell people, I've been so fortunate to play with Hall of Famers that they really set the bar in terms of how I evaluate it. When you play, like I told you who I played with in Buffalo, like Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, Andre Reed, you have Bruce Smith on the other side. Well, I go to Green Bay. I play with Reggie White. I play with Brett Favre. Reggie White is one of the single most dominant players that I've ever seen on the field. He's hip tossing 300-pound tackles like they're nothing. He dominates the game whenever he wanted to dominate the game. You see it. And so I'm like, wow, okay, that's what it looks like. But then, Jeff, I go to Kansas City, and I play beside Derek Thomas. Yeah. Who does the same thing? Snap, first step, quickness, burst, sacks. In one game on a Monday night, we play the Oakland Raiders. I want to say he got seven sacks in a game. And he called his shot. He called his shot and said, hey, man, this is not, I'm going to get six tonight, guys. And I'm looking right. at him just come off the ball. And so when you take all the great players that you play with, Marcus Allen, Tony Gonzalez, all of those guys, and you see what they are as Hall of Famers, and they set the standard. Well, now you understand what it should look like when you're talking about the great. And you become stingy when it comes to doling out those elite grades. And so for me, it is all about my experience playing with great players, setting the bar for how I look at players and why I'm reluctant to say, hey man, this guy's a great player. Because when you've been around greats, you know, eh,
0: good is different than great. Good and great are way different. All right. Uh, what's not different is this show's all about you. We're going to open it now for questions with Bucky. So, all right. Glenner from Belfast says, Bucky, what's the biggest difference going from college to the National Football League? Speed of the game. The
3: game is so much faster in the pros than in college. Um, when you're in college, by the time you are a fourth year or fifth year player, the game is in slow motion. When you get to the National Football League, everything happens fast, and there's a level of urgency that you have to learn how to play at. Uh, when you're playing in the Big Boys League, man, you have to come equipped and you have to play like everything matters. And so Jeff would talk about running to the ball, effort, energy, physicality, toughness. You got to bring it each and every week. And the speed changes from preseason to regular season to postseason to then the championship level games, Super Bowl, Grey Cup, whatever that is. And so, you have to adjust to the
0: speed and the urgency that is required to play at a high level. Okay. Give me another one, Mike. Shank club UK says, who did Bucky have for San Francisco at three in the draft this year? Got a draft question for you, Buck. Yeah, no, look, I thought it was going to either be Trey
3: Lance or Justin Fields, because when you move up to three, you're looking for special meaning you're looking for a superhero at the position, someone who stands out above their peers, someone who has multiple elite qualities, at the position and someone who can make the coach right when the coach is wrong, be it play call or whatever. So Trey Lance to me is a great pick. It's a great fit because when you look at a kid run for 1100 yards in North Dakota state, regardless of level of competition, he played like a man amongst boys on the level that he was playing at. I think it translates very well to national football. League.
0: You know, it's interesting, Buck. I-, I felt the same way through the whole thing. I just did not buy the Mac Jones hype. I just, you know, again, the game has changed so much now that, you know, you make those Tom Brady comparisons, but you got to remember there's one Tom Brady, right? But I I just saw Fields as such a superior athlete to Mac Jones, that I couldn't imagine that being the third pick. Give me another one, Michael. All right. Claire DeBear, who's a huge Bears fan in London, England, says, what is the X factor that scouts are looking for?
3: So the X factor – For me, when I'm, when I'm looking at it, like it comes down to like, there's evaluating how a player plays. And then there's the critical factors that are the intangible qualities. And so for me, I'm looking for guys that have leadership ability, team captains, guys that lead their squad, guys that come from winning organizations. I'm looking for guys who have, uh, competitive traits. They love to play in big time games, competition. I'm looking for intelligence, guys that are smart, that understand it, uh, have done well academically because then I believe they're going to be able to excel on the field. I'm looking for guys that are clutch. Uh, when we watch them play in the biggest games, they play at their best. The, the the better the competition, the better they perform. You want those guys. And finally, I'm looking for grit. I'm looking for guys that have had to overcome some things in their lives, in their playing careers. They show enough toughness that when it gets tough for them, they're not going to fold the 10. Ultimately, man, this game comes down to toughness, Mental and physical. Are you tough enough to endure the challenges that are thrown in front of you?
0: I, I when you when you and I were together a couple of training camps ago, and you came and worked with us in Hamilton and coached with us and did a great job. That was one of the things we said to the players all the time. One thing I can guarantee in pro football, there's only one thing, and that's you're going to face adversity. You're going to face it on a daily basis sometimes. And if you if you don't have the toughness to to grind it out, mm. whether it's mentally, emotionally, or physically, you're going to be a you're you're going to be an ex pro player real real quick because the game will eat you alive one more and i know Bucky gotta go bucky you, you gotta before i give do one more Bucky, gotta promise me you'll come back again because you and i could sit and do this all all for hours right and i know the fans would love love to hear it so yeah promise, no, we, we, yeah, we can we, yeah we can do it again like
3: as we get through this stretch of tv work yeah we can do it we can sit on here and talk all day it doesn't matter
0: all right, Charles McBride from, from uh, Ontario, Canada says, Bucky, what's your opinion on the Raiders hitting the reset, rebuild button for the third time under Gruden's tenure, but keeping Carr? Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a little surprised. Particularly their offensive line to
3: me was like the best part of what they did. and So they got rid of a very veteran offensive line to flip it. Now, the one thing that I always commentaries when you look at a John Gruden offensive line, they can be big, physical road Raiders. They want to mash you at the line of scrimmage um i'm not necessarily in love with how the raiders have done it because look he's been there some time it's about time to start chalking some dubs up um but we'll see how it goes they believe in Carr. we'll see if Carr can kind of make the rest of us believers in his ability to get them to a super bowl
0: buck thank you so much for coming on today it's always a pleasure talking ball with you uh, again hope to see you real soon and thank you for agreeing to come on at another at another time
3: yeah for sure man love it man thanks so much for having me on Joe.
0: All uh, right, aloha. Thank you. Bucky, Bur- Bucky Brooks, one of the really good ones, not only good ones at what he does as a analyst. Uh, he was an outstanding scout, outstanding player, just an outstanding guy and an outstanding football guy. So, uh, again, Mikey, throw some questions if we got some questions,
1: and uh, we're going to wrap this thing up here quickly. We've got a few things. Fred Flunk says he will contribute to the shirts. Let's look at that after the schedule release. I'm up for that. You up for that, Jeff? All good? I mean, uh, you know I'm up for that. Always up for that. Uh, oh, and
0: as Thomas says, thanks for the insight. Bucky Bucky, again, will be a part of this show as we go forward. Just, a, just a, uh, again, a, one of the outstanding guests that we bring to you guys all the time. Uh, Puck and Pigskin Podcast says, Coach Rambo, when can I get you on my show? Hey, hey, you call it. I'll haul it right. Get me some information or you can do it through Michael, but I'd love to do the, the pug and Pig, pigskin, excuse me,
1: podcast. All right. Throw something at it me. A, yeah. There's, there's one that there from Charles dying for some tribe. All right, shares, hey, get a uh, tribe
0: we're going to put them out there. All right. We're going to get it. We got to get somebody to design them. Cause I, I can't draw flies, but we'll, we'll try and get them, get them designed. Uh, Mike, I got a little something I want to lay on you, dog. It's gonna be kind of kind of interesting to see how we pull this off. Okay. I cool. have I have an agreement. We're talking about this the schedule release, right? Mm. We're talking about the schedule. That's big news. What may be bigger news, maybe bigger news, is that next week our guest on Coffee with Coach will be three guys. Three guys. They're called the Around the NFL Podcast Heroes will be right here on this show talking football and taking your questions. So don't tell me that
1: this ain't the greatest show of all time. Woo! Oh, I just <laughs> I went full Ric Flair on you there. He did go. I you know for a second of what you were gonna say. The, the like just when he said the like the, the three guys you were gonna say the Irish NFL show, but the around that's that's incredible, the around the NFL heroes. That's going to be unbelievable. I'll be sitting here crying because it'll be with, like next season is after the schedule, getting ready to go. That's going to be unreal, man. And it's going to be great hearing from those guys. That's the biggest show of the off season. Yeah. That's bigger than the people's draft. Yeah. Join us again Massive.
0: next week. We will have, and look for the, look for the time that it comes up because we've got to kind of work around their schedule a little bit. It may, may cause us to adjust the show, but we want to do it live so that you can interact with these guys. Again, uh, three really, really good, Football guys, three guys that are passionate about their teams, uh, and, and and guys that are hu- got huge followings around the world. They will be with us on Coffee with the Coach next week. Michael, great job! once again, uh, again, we just keep knocking them down, brother. Bucky, Brooks. we do
1: indeed. And look, Jeff, if it isn't live for for the, the NFL guys, we will make sure that everybody gets a chance on Twitter. So maybe put Jeff an auto tweet and put you know, put the notifications on. Uh, I'm sure everybody will get get as many questions in just to those guys as possible as well. We'll do what we can. All
0: right. And mahalo to everybody who obviously is watching this. Mahalo to everybody who sent a a text in, a question in. If you didn't get your question uh, answered today, we will get back together and do it again. Peace out to the tribe from Fred Flunk. Aloha from me to all you and take care, take good care of yourselves. Malama one, one another. I Aloha.
1: Indeed. I hope everybody's schedule is what they want tomorrow. Thank Ah. you guys. See you later.